Welcome to the Yoga Addiction. If you're a yoga teacher or student who wants a deeper understanding of yoga with respect to science, health, and longevity, this podcast is for you. Every week, we'll dive deep into a topic to help you be a better yogi, teacher, and communicator. We want to give you a practical understanding of the current science related to yoga and help you create quality, safe, and inspired classes, whether they are for yourself at home or for your students. I'm Natalie Sanger. And I'm Sandy Hewitt. We look forward to you taking part in our conversations. Hey, Nat. Hey, Sandy. How's it going? I'm pretty decent. How are you? Just pretty decent. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. So, how was your week so far? It's been it's been nice. It's a little bit boring. All my friends are like out of town right now, and so because I'm not working for the summer, so now I'm like, okay, now I'm bored. <laughs> um, I don't know. I try to fill my time with things I want to do, but. I basically want to hang out with my friends. Yeah. Are you going to go good. Are you going to go back to yoga teaching? Um yeah, I think I am in the fall. So I am I talked to you about like this job that I was offered with the government. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, so I am taking that for mid-September. Sweet. It's just a really cool job with some really smart cool people doing water quality stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I want to get back into probably just teaching a couple times a week. Like once I get comfortable in that position with my schedule, then I'll start to drop it in. But I, I'm definitely not in a huge rush. Like today we're going to talk about the mental health and wellness module that I took with yoga medicine. And one of my big takeaways from that is just, I don't know, what? treating myself <laughs> better. Not oh, doing, okay, okay. not doing yeah. everything. And it's hard yeah. because I'm like teetering on whether yoga is something I do for work or just like as pleasure. You mean teaching yoga? Yeah. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And learning about it. Cause like I've, I've done a ton of courses. Yeah. Um, but, but I you- just like, I just like learning. Like I wouldn't yeah. stop doing them if I didn't teach. Yes, but isn't there also like that element of being able to use this information and give it to someone who needs it? Of course, yeah. yeah. But I yeah. I do realize that I can't do it all. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like I know I know I'll teach I know I'll teach again um once I figure it all out, but I'm not going to go like into my new job and then throw a couple classes in yeah. my schedule, but I think I will be able to find That's balance between all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your personal life and doing all the things that you want to do and mm-hmm. love to do. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm finding I just more and more want to be with like the people in my life. And I mean, I want to help random people. I really do. <laughs> but I also just have to give give like quality time to myself. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The quality of your... um like social, what's it called? Relationships, I guess, are like really, really helpful for mental health, which is, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago with Aisha. Oh my God. It was so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that interview. So um, if you haven't listened that. to it, you should definitely go back and listen to that interview. She like not only stressed like the importance of social connectivity and feeling like part of a group but also the um like how to do that in a modern group yoga class which is pretty pretty difficult I think and pretty out there yeah like we talked about neuroplasticity with her which is a part of this mental health and wellness training that I went to so like that came out the week that I was there which is that was really cool kind of Mm. random overlay yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So let's get, let's get started. So you did this, um, uh, for those who don't know, just tell us a little bit about the modules and, uh, like, why do you do them? What are they? What, what is this all about? Yeah. So this is part of yoga medicines program. They have, um, now 10, like we usually talk a lot about their orthopedics. We'll talk about like the shoulder and the hip and spine and all those things. So they have a a collection of modules or immersions that that you can take in parts whenever to eventually make up a 500 hour training. Or after that, if you get that, you can do a a 1000 hour. So 
yeah, they have now 10, I think, I think it's 10, eight or 10 internal medicine modules, which is super cool. And they're not all available, but they're all like rolling out one by one each year or year and a bit, they'll come out with a new one. So this was the first time they've offered um, their mental health and wellness module. So it's 60 hours on that. And it's led by, um, well, Tiffany, of course, who's the, the main teacher, main creator, founder of Yoga Medicine, and then um, Diane Malaspina and Valerie Nopik, who are both uh, PhDs in psychology. Crazy. And they're epically smart. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. having like that wonderful chance to learn from people like that. That's so crazy. Yeah. Oh, so I was good. just like, we were all, because we've been in class with them, like they're part of their students as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have their own uh, practices going on and they created this course together with Tiffany's help. And like, so yeah, you're like, you've been sitting beside them in class before, like Dan was in our cadaver lab dissection group and then you're seeing them up there doing what they're so good at so that was really i don't know just like was so heartwarming and then you're like yes give me all this information yeah yeah your brain so good oh that's so good awesome um okay so let's let's dive into the material that you guys well at least i know we can't like do one hour of all of the stuff you learned but Mm -hmm. i guess like the biggest takeaways um so we'll get started with the whole idea of like um, okay. Mental health, yoga, wellness. What is all of this based upon? So we're looking at how as yoga teachers, we can support people with, um, different mental health, I guess you'd call imbalances or disorders. Um, what those look like. Um, we're not so much kind of, we're not going to diagnose someone, but you're, but you're looking at what tools would be helpful if someone comes to you saying like, I've been diagnosed with depression or I'm experiencing depression or I just don't feel like myself or I'm just like, I'm super anxious lately. Um, is there something that you could offer me in yoga to help? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is basically, I think it's so important because I don't know if I know anyone who hasn't experienced one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing we look at is this huge question, which everyone asks is like the way we are, um, the way we act and our mood, are we more nature or nurture? Which basically looks at, are we more a product of our genes or of our environment. Mm-hmm. And we're both, mm-hmm. but it doesn't like we're not stuck in one or the other. And the way that yoga can help is our behavior and our environment. And by the simple tool of awareness, we can actually change our biology. Right. Yes. So cool. Yeah. So that's, that almost sounds like stuff we've talked about, um, <clears throat> when we, uh, did those episodes on, uh, hormones. So, um, how through the regulation of like cortisol and testosterone, we can actually put ourselves in a state of more, um, is it anabolism where you're like building? Is that right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So is this something like that that you guys were looking at when it comes to like being a product of our interactions with our environment? Yeah, so we definitely know that our behaviors and the way we manage stress can influence our internal biology like that, like our hormones um, and our neurotransmitters. But what I'm meaning by this is more like our epigenetics. Yeah, so cool. So it's it's a little bit, I don't know, a little bit deeper, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'll just explain like genetics are the genes on your 23 chromosomes that you get from your, the people that made you mama mom and, and papa, mama and papa or man and test, woman, test wherever tube, they are in your life. Test so. tube and syringe. I don't yeah. know. I'm kidding. I, whatever, whatever <laughs> <Yeah>. it was. <laughs> however, however those are put together. Uh, <laughs> and then 
that is like the basis of your genes of who you are. Um, what epigenetics are is the epigenome lies on top of your genome. It's, it's kind of hard to explain. There's like pages and pages and pages in the book <laughs> about this stuff. But it, depending on stressors, it will kind of create marks. I'm trying to think if it creates marks. Yeah, it creates marks that will turn on or turn off certain genes. Yeah, that's the methylation, right? Yes. So the main the main thing is methylation. I think there's other um other ways. That's the main one that studied those methylation. I learned so, that in biology. Woo-hoo! Yeah. <laughs> like it's pretty basic yeah. stuff, but we don't go over this in a normal teacher training. No, I don't of course know. not. It's I, way I way too deep in biology. And in some ways we can't control it, but you know, I think the more we find out about epigenetics, the more we realize that, yeah, actually our environment does have a huge role in what turns on and what turns off. Um, from what I know of, of the, like the epigenetic studies, a lot of them are done around cancer. So when people say like, oh, I have a family history of this kind of cancer, um, it's, you know, I'm probably going to get her or whatever. Um, it's not necessarily true, right? Um, though you may be carrying the genes, whether or not it's turned on or off, um, really depends on like a whole host of factors, um, including the, the factors of food, stress, sleep, sunlight, and, and this whole thing, like people are, well, scientists are just like beginning to understand how this DNA methylation, this turning on and off of genes, this whole idea of epigenetics is really starting to work. So I can see like for the mental health, this is probably, is it still in its like beginning stages or, or do we know some things about it? Um, I think what they know, I think they're, I don't know, they're, I don't know if they're in the middle, but they know a good amount about it. That's and good. there's yeah. ton, tons of more research going on. Yeah. Um, maybe it's, it's probably like the last like 10, 15 years that yeah. more research mm-hmm. is coming out on this. Um, yeah, it's so cool. We <laughs> talked, I'm just like, I can get in my head and think about it and just like, oh my God so neat uh (laughs) it is though it is it's really it's very interesting were there any takeaways with that like so what turns on and off the crazy genes are there crazy genes (laughs) yeah yeah well like there there you can have a predisposition for um depression or anxiety or I don't know, maybe schizophrenia. Like in this course, we mostly talked about depression and anxiety and then like PTSD and a little bit of other stuff, but you can be predisposed. Yeah. Yeah. That's the word. You did it. You did girl. (laughs) My my tongue didn't know where to go in my mouth. I swear to God. (laughs) To having that, but you don't, yeah, you don't have to like express that if you are born into um, a really good environment, a really supportive environment, like socioeconomic status does play into this, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's a huge one. Like the stresses that you, um, that you have when you're a child. And they even talk about like, as a fetus, the importance of, of wow. your health, um, as a fetus. Right, because certain epigenetic epigenetic markers, some of them don't really turn off, right? Yeah, I think that's the case, yeah. Yeah, that's so fucking sucky. So I know. Like, if you're exposed to like a really toxic environment and you have like no control over it, um, yeah. yeah. But, but there's, we do have the ability to like train for resilience as well because... That's true. I think we all probably know someone who who had like came from hard times or, you know, didn't have it as easy as the next person. And they might be the most successful person that you know, or the happiest, whatever success looks like. Exactly. Um, Because we are able to really train ourselves. And that's kind of the work that we do or we can implement into our yoga classes is that kind of that training of the nervous system. Mm-hmm. for uh, creating stress and then reacting to that stress. So you mean like creating like a, a controlled stress, right? Like yeah. Like a warrior pose. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so cool. I get it. You know, you have those teachers. I don't really do this that often. It's 
not saying that it's, you shouldn't do it. It's great. Like when I started yoga, a lot of the times this is like, you're in something difficult and like, notice what your thoughts are. Notice what you're feeling. Mm, yeah. It's that like that, just that touch of awareness. You don't how, do that in your yoga classes. I feel like that's like, I do a huge, yeah, I feel but like, like you some, would. I feel like some people do it a lot more. Like maybe that's, that's oh, true. their maybe. Yeah. It, entire focus. Yeah. Yeah. Of like being with every single sensation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I, I mean, yeah, I do, but some, I feel like other teachers are just more practiced at it. Um, and I noticed that when we were doing the practices at the module, because we had like two and a half hour morning practice and the, the wow. theming of it is like really around that awareness. Um, oh, a sort of like sitting with your experience rather than running away. Yeah. And then, and, and just like noticing your thought process around things. Okay. Yeah. So we have, yeah. um, like your thoughts and that little internal voice is so important to our mental health. Right. When you are constantly in negative thoughts, like that's what you, that's what you learn how to do. And that's how you learn how to react. So you kind of reinforce these negative feedback loops of negativity. The more you do it, the deeper they get, like you're spinning yeah. your tires. Yeah. So it was funny. I was rooming with Lara who we had on oh, yeah. episode 14, I think. Yeah. Um, so we were sharing a room and every morning when my alarm went off because I was like sliding my finger, this is a little bit a side thing, but I was sliding my finger on my phone to like stop it because I have to slide it to the side. And I like, it wasn't catching my fingerprint or whatever. And so it was just like my alarm was staying on and I would say like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the first word out of my mouth Yeah, in my day. So I noticed that like days one and two and then kind of stopped at three, three, four and five or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, it's like the little stuff like that. Like, Hey, that's not necessary. I don't need to swear. Like I like swearing. <laughs> when I swear, I usually don't swear because of negative things. And when mm. people do, then I'm really aware of that. Ah, um, you don't tie it to the negativity. Yeah, I don't. Like it's very yeah. different for me. It's just like fun. I don't know. But lighthearted. It, yeah, it's very lighthearted. Mm. So, but when it is like a negative thing, then I like to change that habit. Definitely. Mm, interesting. So yeah. yeah, like step one to everything is really just awareness and, and that thought process, like right. what is actually going on in your head? Like instead of just sticking in a hard practice and like, oh yeah, you can physically keep your body in warrior two for a couple minutes if you wanted to, but like what is going on in your head? Yeah. Yeah. Like, are you watching TV or are you there with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think it, it it starts to blur the lines. Um, because what you're talking about there almost sounds like cognitive behavioral therapy, where mm-hmm. um, yeah, you tra- train yourself to start to catch patterns which you label and deem as non-conducive to health, right? Um, and then you stop those patterns and reroute the thoughts. Um, whether it's like to practice gratitude, to practice um. Yeah, you know, like something else, or maybe even it's just practice distraction away from that um, negative train. Uh, but um, yeah, I think it, it's like that sliding uh, sort of scale into how much do we as yoga teachers become therapists? Mm-hmm. And yeah, right. And then we, we sort of have to be careful with that. Did you guys touch on that? We we looked at CBT. Um, basically for almost, if I look at my book, it's probably recommended for every type of disorder. And that is, yeah, like every type of anxiety or depression or it's like a big one. It's a big one. But I've heard so much conflicting stuff about like, I know people who've gone through it and just say like, there are limitations to it. And even like logically, I can see there's limitations to it as a therapeutic like I'm sure it works in the short term, but it doesn't get down to root causes is the problem. Oh yeah. I don't know. I don't have any ex- personal experience with it, but it is yeah. like heavily recommended. I'd have to check in my book, but like a lot, there's a lot of uh, CBT and then there's other things too. So it's not like yeah. only CBT, but it's like CBT is a really strong one for 
Yeah, um, I'd say, yeah, like go, go to a professional <laughs> too, right? Get some professional advice about that. Yeah, but this is like CBT yeah. coming from, it should be coming from a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Yeah, psychotherapist. Yeah. Just that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not from us. But. Yeah, there's a lot of different things in here. There's behavioral activation, okay. um, acceptance and commitment therapy, mm. rational, emotive behavioral, behavioral therapy. So there's other methods, but CBT is one that just came up a lot. Um, but it's the point there is that we as yoga teachers do not give CBT. We don't give, no, ther- we don't, we don't do therapy. <laughs> No, no, no. We're just like, no, you find someone, recommend that out, and then you yeah. do what you can in the scope of the practice to, I don't know, to try and help that person and, and really help is the key word, not, not to, not to cure. I think, I mean, yeah, like to support and to allow for a safe space for even just that realization to happen is pretty damn huge, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, even just to not make symptoms worse. Yeah, even that is like really tough to do in, mm-hmm. in someone with a lot of anxiety or even we'll talk about PTSD in a moment, but that's like a, that's a really difficult one. It's not, um, it's not child's play. You know, you don't, there's nothing unintentional when you start to walk into that space with that intention of like dealing with someone with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, besides like that, constant thread of awareness, bringing people back into their thought process and into the present moment. Um, then the next, the next really, really helpful one is meditation. Mm. And again, as yoga teachers, we know this stuff, but yeah, <laughs> it is a little bit different when you're dealing with, um, someone with depression or someone with anxiety and the severity of what's going on. And sometimes like if you have someone with anxiety, who's like, there are, there are a lot of different types of anxiety too, which is really interesting. Like Tiffany was teaching, um, the, the kind of looking at it from Chinese medicine perspective, yeah. which is cool because they really kind of break down anxiety for different imbalances of stuff that you have. So I like that, but yeah, that kind of makes sense because not all anxiety is the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, and that resonates with me because sometimes I think I've experienced anxiety, but it's nothing like what my friend or colleague yeah, has experienced. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, Oh, maybe I wasn't having that, but it's, it's very different in each person. Um, but yeah, you take someone who's experiencing a lot of anxiety in the way that they're, uh, ruminating a lot. So their thoughts are just like processing over and over and again, like mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like either just way overthinking stuff or worry, um, or just that like out of control wheel of thoughts that you have. And you try and sit someone down, make them quiet and close their eyes. Yeah. It's like probably not going to help too much. Yeah. That's like so difficult. Did you, did you guys talk about like when anxiety gets to the point where it's like a panic attack? Um, I can't remember if we talked about panic attack specifically. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's in here. Oh, okay. It's probably texting It's sort you of or like, <laughs> it's like that point where you go like, you go so far down that anxiety rabbit hole that like your heart and your, your body, your nervous system starts to like, do you know what I mean? It starts mm-hmm. to like fully respond like you're being chased by the lion. Um, anyway, I, I thought that might be like something. We did that- like actually uh, talk about a few teachers who had had students experience that in their class. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it might be like completely unrelated to what you're doing. Like your yeah. body just kind of hosts yeah. emotions that will come out. Totally, yeah. And the best thing to do is like just talk to the student whether they want you to be there by their side or give them space and call 911. Oh, oh really? Yeah. That's that extreme. Because wow. also you can't really tell and most people – um, depending on their symptoms, it might be grabbing their chest. It might be a heart attack. Ah, uh, yes. And if that's they're true. panicked, like it's just like, let's just, uh, I'm not a doctor. Let's get the professionals in here. So. That's so true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. That's good to know that that's like a valid response. You know? <laughs> yeah. If they're coming yeah. to you at another time and they said they've experienced panic attacks. Yes. yes. Then you can Previously. probably work with anxiety in general. Mm. So, Okay, I, I 
I don't know where this comes from in my brain, but um, for some reason, this is in my brain, so I'm going to say it. <laughs> like everything with this podcast, uh-huh. this is what is in my brain. <laughs> um, so I, I, for some reason, I know that, or I've learned this, heard this, that depression and anxiety are like the same emotions on two different energetic scales. So depression is when the energy is so low and it's almost like your brain and your body is depleted after a really high-pitched session of anxiety. But essentially, the two are like intimately related. And most people who go through an anxious period also go through a depressive period. And and there's sort of like a cyclicity, cyclicity, cycles. Yeah, that's right. You take, you try and speak English now. Words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are there are like cycles with the two um uh emotions um did 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 you guys touch on anything like the relationship between these two yeah so what they're finding more now or they're thinking more is that anxiety and depression are actually the same yeah yeah okay cool so it's not just out of my brain see guys see my brain is smart Mm -hmm. my brain learns things yeah it's hard like what's in my brain that's legit and what's in my brain from like (laughs) a random blog or someone just said it you know glad that you actually like understand what i mean by like it's just sitting in my brain and i don't know whether or not to trust it like yeah jesus (laughs) that's good though like don't always trust your brain because it's like you just like pick up information and you put it in there and you're like i'm gonna check on that later (laughs) And then you or don't. Sometimes, yeah. Like you have a dream where you're so sure that someone insulted you and then you're slightly mad at them. Oh my God. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't actually know. I can't trust my own emotions. Fuck that shit. I don't know. <laughs> Eric thought the other day that I had said I didn't like, I got these like package of dried chickpea things, snacks. And he was, uh, I don't know if he ate them all, but he was going to, he was like, I was going to eat those because yesterday you said you didn't like them. I was like, I 100% did not say that. Yeah. Those words never came out of my mouth. He's like, are you serious? Like you said they were dry and tasted like dust. I was like, no, I did not say that shit. Oh man. These are delicious. And then he's just like, his eyes were just like huge. He's like, no, this happened. I'm like, you you dreamt that. You dreamt that. That did not happen. Yeah, he totally (laughs) dreamt that. Oh my gosh. Okay. See, it's not just me and it's not just you. We all have these periods where the brain cannot be trusted. Yes. Don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. So- Anyway, what happened to the chickpeas? I think I ate them. Good, good girl. Good for yeah. you. Did you share them, Hatley? Yeah, I was sharing the whole time. Oh, okay, good. Good sharing is caring. Good girl. <laughs> but I didn't let him eat them all. It's so funny, like, how our little stories, like, they totally relate to the topic. I know, they do. They, they do. really do. <laughs> okay. Okay, right, go back to anxiety and depression being the same thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So I think, I think they probably are figuring that out based on research. Um, we didn't really talk about it too much of my hunches looking at like neurochemicals mm, and like the yeah, imbalances yeah. in neurochemicals and, and relating that to the behavioral disorder. Yeah. That's so cool. So yeah. the way like you present, um, just kind of depends maybe person to person or what your situation or what your energy is. Yeah. 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 So the, the reason I wanted to talk about that is, um, because in a yoga class, we tend to be more on that, like calming, uh, tone shit down, close the lights, lay down, um, parasympathetic, ease the anxiety. Um, and for someone with depression, um, I, from what I've learned, again, I don't know if it's true or if it's just something that's knocking around in my brain, um, they tend to sleep a lot. Um, and that's one of the symptoms. It's, it's not, it, you know, they don't mean to sleep a lot. They just tend to like doze off a lot, um, cause their brain chemicals are either low or they're just, they're just in a really low state of energy. Um, so did you guys touch on anything about like, yoga sort of helping keep the depressive types a little bit more afloat and a little bit higher energy to like boost them up in like a gentle way rather than just you know like because not everyone needs to calm the shit down right we need Mm -hmm. to calm the shit down sometimes but also sometimes we need to not be like in that state of uh calm yeah exactly like you need some helpful um awareness for movement and i i would say like 
So would this be like in the context of a one-on-one or just having a group class and knowing some people? Maybe it's like oh, just I like don't, the I don't know. winter winter in Canada. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shit. Yeah, that's so right. I, I don't know. It's just a thought. Like I was just wondering if you guys touched on like the differences in how you would approach a yoga class depending on like the state. Yeah. If, if you were to know it, I don't know. I think with someone who's experiencing depression, Oh yeah. One of the things I just remembered, it's really important is give people movement, but they have to like it. Mm, Yeah. So we talked about movement in general, like maybe you have someone and they're, they're hating yoga altogether and it's like, get them to do something (laughs) else. It's fine. You don't have to do yoga to fix that, which is really important. You can give them maybe some breath exercises later or something like that. Mm. Um, But the movement should be enjoyable. So and I do think movement is helpful. So, so maybe more something like a flow class, less heavy. I know I feel better, like, especially in the winter. If I get into a class and we start in child's pose and we start on the ground, like it is hard for me to get up and want to do stuff after that. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe just you're starting people without a centering or maybe you're like doing a centering in tadasana like standing oh yeah that's what i was gonna say like a tadasana centering is actually pretty pretty nice Mm -hmm. it's like a a really grounded actually it's just not as sleepy Mm -hmm. um shit i was gonna ask you something and i forgot (laughs) keep keep going keep talking (laughs) okay oh shit sure was it it was a good one too so yeah, mindful movements, maybe like a flow or something like oh, that. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay. Stop. Sorry. I Pause. Um, <laughs> so I guess I, I want to know the, the why of why do they have to like it? Cause, Cause that's really cause super subjective. That's just like, I just, you know, there could be any reason. Okay. So with depression, generally, you're not very motivated to do anything. Mm. So why are you going to be motivated to do something that you don't like to do? <laughs> But how do you tell? Like, how do you know? Like, you can tell, like, people with depression, it's, it's very hidden. Like, yes, like, mo- extreme cases are someone who sleeps all day. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people are walking around just like feeling yeah. not like themselves and yeah. having more of a negative, um, mental outlook. Right. And it's, it could be like lower level, just like everything is kind of gray. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have the motivation, like you want to change, but you go to the gym and just lift weights. It's like, ugh, this sucks. Mm-hmm. So it might be dance. It might be, mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. Like, so you're, you're saying like outside of the yoga context, like you can't just like, yeah. And in your yoga room. Yeah. No. So <laughs> definitely like with outside, with outside of the yoga context, yeah. if they're going to yeah. go beyond that, do something else. Yeah. Maybe they're doing yoga twice a week for the awareness aspect yeah. and the breath and stuff like that. And then three times a week, they're doing like adult gymnastics. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. I think it's like, yeah, it's like that idea to find joy in something, right? And physical movement is, is usually, at least I find joy in physical movement. I can see some people don't, but. <laughs> yeah. And if you know Hopefully. they like, like weightlifting, then maybe you can make your yoga class a little bit more like incorporating squats and stuff like that yeah. and like a couple push-ups. Or yeah. if you know they yeah. like dance, you can make it more flowy. Choreography. Um, yeah. 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 So yeah. you can, you can really change yeah. a yoga class to be like a lot of other things. It's true. Um, um and I guess it also gives them permission, like knowing that their their priority is enjoyment in moving then total permission to even just be like no yoga's not for you here's some great dance teachers great dance studios you might like salsa um you know give it a go and don't give up hope kind of idea rather than uh um just stick with yoga because it pays our bills oh absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah so that 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 idea that like you have permission to not like this and that's you know, like, that's fine. You don't have to ever come back. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. something they like is really key. Um, Love that. Yeah. For anxiety, it's interesting. Well, once they kind of lay it out, it makes sense. But again, as I mentioned, like coming into a class, maybe starting with a meditation when your mind is going like warp speed yeah. or it's yeah. probably not the best as well. So starting again with movement. And and not just like random movement, but mindful movement where you're having to pay attention to to exactly what you're doing. It's a lot of the time we do that in yoga, but sometimes we can get a little bit fast and mm-hmm. and it's more like aerobics yeah. in some practices. Yeah. 
It's kind of like what, um, uh, you know how when we did the yoga for athletes and they're like, Tiffany was saying how like if you catch an athlete right after a game and their energy is so high, they were just high-fiving their team. They were just like, you know, popping champagne or whatever it is. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, their, their energy is so high. If you take them right down into meditation, it's like this, it's like, I don't know, like this jolt for the nervous system. So you have to like meet them where they are in a way um, mm-hmm. with the intention to take them down. But like, if you are so far off from their energy, it it just won't jive with them. Like nothing will get through in, in a really significant way. Um, yeah, no, that's totally, yeah. totally have to consider that. Like there's not just like one yoga class or practice that works for everyone. Yeah. And that kind of, even if that person with anxiety are you seeing them in the morning first thing like are they maybe yeah, maybe right. they're waking up and they can just do breathing first and then movement or if it's like mm. after work or lunchtime and they need to move first and then you can settle them down and then maybe into like a guided meditation instead of a shavasana because shavasana is i don't know my brain is going all over the place in shavasana i'm either thinking about <laughs> something or i'm sleeping <laughs> Well, what are you doing? Don't say you don't do those things. Oh, oh yeah. I'm definitely asleep sometimes. <laughs> but like, I, I almost think about it like I, I'm letting my brain think and do its thing, but I'm not actively thinking those thoughts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm sitting there and I'm like watching my brain do its thing. And then, um, like I, I'm just practicing letting control go. And then sometimes that just leads to sleep, but sometimes like you can just, Hover just over yeah. it and you'd be like, oh, those are interesting thoughts. Oh, those thoughts are like almost like dreams. That's a crazy thought. <laughs> yeah, I so do that too, where you're like, yeah. I'm dreaming now. These are weird thoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm really close to dreaming. <laughs> Isn't that what Shavasana is? I, I don't know. I don't even know if there's like a thing. It's just like at the minimum, you're not attempting to place your body in any specific way, like releasing right. all right. muscular effort. Yes. And then the mental effort is another bag of tricks, but doing your best. Yeah. No, yeah. when you can like drop into that state where you're just like watching your brain do its thing, it's kind of cool. It's pretty watching sweet. A, yeah. It's like watching a picture, watching a show. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's nice. Yeah. If I, Man. if I'm like, if the, if the class like stimulates me too much or, or maybe if it's just being a teacher too, sometimes it sucks because you're like, I like that sequence. Like, oh, I would do this and I would do this. Oh, yeah. And then- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You get like inspired, but then you're like, I don't want to forget it. Okay. Yeah. Repeat it again. Repeat it. Okay. Remember this later. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, brain. Come on. I need you to do this for me. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I am not, sh- I'm not in Shavasana. I am, I am in work mode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was finding that a lot in Tiffany's trainings. That's why I started being like, okay, no, I have to write this down or it's, it's, I'm never going to be able to rest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she, she's good at recapping, but she's not as good as my notes. No. My notes get like every cue, every like nuance. I'm like, yes, that's what, that's what I want. Right. Those little tiny, Mm -hmm. little tiny things. Oh, so good. Yeah, totally. I didn't take any notes this time. I was just like, I'm just going to let it sit in there if it, if it gets in it gets in if it doesn't oh well because i gotta yeah. i gotta practice that one day i think that would be really liberating because there there's like a remember when we're practicing and i'm just like taking you know i'm like squatting on my mat i'm just like furiously writing and missing yeah whatever she's doing i'm like fuck oh fuck go slower <laughs> tiffany no stop <laughs> give me a five minute writing break and then my shoulder starts to cramp and my hand goes numb <sighs> that's what yoga is no <laughs> No, no, no. That's what training is for me when I, when I take her trainings. I want to absorb so much. I know. I know. Yeah, it's so funny. Okay, okay, back to the what else, topic. Yeah, what else do you want to ask me? There's so much in this book, it's insane. Like, I can't even start to go over. <laughs> One other, actually, um, actually, one yeah. more thing before you ask a question. One thing we covered very shortly, and I think you and I have probably talked about it more speckled into some of our conversations, is like the role that the enteric nervous system has that's your gut oh yeah 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 go, go so go, they just said yeah. like that plays a role basically that's it? <laughs> well your neurotransmitters are as i understand made in your gut so cool. the quality of nutrition going in there and and oh my god so many other things but basically and as, as i understand this from a lot of my personal research is when you're stressed 
It reduces the hydrochloric acid in your stomach, um, which changes how you break down food and further than how you absorb nutrients. It also, when you have lower hydrochloric acid, you don't stop the bad guys from coming in. So your mm, bacteria that yeah. you don't want and parasites and stuff like that. Um, so those guys can get into your system, which is something that I've experienced. Now you have that imbalance in your gut with your all your flora down there. And mm. that will change how your neurotransmitters, serotonin being a main one of those, one of your happy happy neurotransmitters, um, how that stuff is created and, and your mood overall. Mm. So we didn't touch too much. It's like the enteric nerve system plays a role in this. Yeah. Um, but just so teachers know, like you can do a lot in yoga. And I know some people who do have good stress management tools at their fingertips and myself being one of them as I get better at this stuff, but you can have something else going on, which can can stop you from get, getting better or creating more balance. So just to know that that's there yeah. and you don't have to fix it, but just know, be aware that's there. And maybe you're needing to refer your, your student to a doctor or a functional medicine doctor or a naturopathic doctor or Chinese medicine doctor or Ayurvedic doctor, something like that. <laughs> I, yeah. And I think the, this whole idea that like, again, with like, rather than that reductionist science, right? Like gut health is gut health, brain health is brain health. This idea that, oh, everything's actually connected. You know, I was listening to a podcast recently, um, just today about, I think it's heart health, um, being hugely really related to onset of Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, this idea that like, and, and this is not stuff that like, doctors are yet that well versed in you know they they deal mm -hmm. with the heart as the heart um the cardiovascular system in its in its like singularity you know like as its own thing and then they deal with the brain as its its own thing where like that's one of the 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 strengths of eastern medicine medicine is looking at it and being like of course having a you know, poor heart rhythms is going to affect your brain. Of course, of course, having poor gut health is going to affect your mood. Like everything is connected. And, um, yeah, just knowing that is, I don't know, it's like empowering and it sucks at the same time because then you got to look off after everything. You can't just like, I'm taking my heart medicine and you're good. You know, like, you know, we're not good, right? We got to like whole health. I don't know. What do you make of it? Yeah. Well, yeah, you have to be, you're then accountable for everything. Yeah. You have to be responsible. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard. Like you want to, um, yeah, it's like, you know, you ha what's it called when people obsess about food? There's like a name for it. It's oh. with an O. Uh, anyway. Orthorexia. Yeah. Orthorexia. So you can uh, be an orthorexic person and yeah. stressing the shit out about food. Meanwhile, your stress levels are not enabling you to absorb all this <laughs> kale and whatever. <laughs> so it just doesn't help. Like I've yeah, eaten crazy yeah. healthy diets, but I've had stress in other parts of my life yeah. where it's like, okay, yeah. I'm glad I did that because probably kept me from not going right over the edge. Right. Yeah. Um, but you need to really look at everything. So yeah, yeah. like you can eat so well, you can exercise and maybe you yeah. even like look amazing from the outside. Yeah. But exactly. internally, maybe not the case if you have like some thoughts that you're ruminating about and obsessing about, or like your, your mom is sick or like something, mm -hmm. I don't know, all these different stressors that we have in our lives. Mm -hmm. Every little bit of it contributes to our overall health. Yeah. And yeah, I, like, let's call it a, a strength then since it is, it's like a burden, but also like one of the things that yoga teachers can do that I think it's like better than, um, a lot of other practitioners. We get to, you know, like people, once they're open to it, get to, they'll listen to us and, um, as like models of wellness, you know, and, and so when we, are coming from this educated point of view being like, of course your heart health affects your brain health and, you know, recommending things like, yeah, you should go see a naturopath or you should go see like a personal trainer, um, because it's all connected. Right. Um, then we, we are so much more able to look after people in the long term and look after them in their healthy years rather than their sick years. Um, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, it's an, it's, it's an empowering place to be as well. Oh, and I just wanted to share quickly a story about one of my privates, like my case study guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just finished up with his shoulder and he said the, one of the most powerful things. So his shoulder is like a hundred times better than it was. It's still not fixed because there's, there's structural damage there that, um, outside of a surgeon, uh, we can't, you know, get at. Mm-hmm. But, um, he said one of the most powerful, th- powerful things I suggested to him was to examine how he sleeps and to clean up the sleep regime, uh, regimen so that sleep quality is better and therefore healing is better and therefore like the body just takes care of itself when it can sleep better um and he's like one of the things he does the most um of all the things i've suggested for him is breathing exercises before he sleeps nice yeah and like like what kind of family doctor in a modern city or like you know the gi doctor like who else would recommend that to him like who else would take care of his sleep yeah Nobody does. Nobody, like, nobody does this, right? And so, like, there is actually, like, there's a need. There's a need for people to be out there being like, hey, if you don't sleep and just educating them, speaking from the space of, like, education and care, if you don't sleep, your body will not heal and you're just repeating this injury cycle day in, day out, never giving yourself a chance to actually catch up to the things you're doing to it. So let's try this thing. And if you like it, you you do it, man. Mm-hmm. Power to you. Anyway, rant over. That's so good that you did that. I know, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good on me. <laughs> and some doctors are getting more aware of it now, I think, from having pushed sleeping pills for so many years. And then eventually oh, it's just like every person goes that route. And they're like, hey, maybe this is not... Maybe we can do this naturally. Some, some doctors are getting a little better. Um, Mm. but it's still pretty rare. Yeah. 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 I think it's, it's not mainstream in med schools, you know, like they don't, they're not like asking. It's not part of their intake to ask how many hours of sleep where it is uh, as yoga medicine teachers. It's part of our intake. Yeah. I think sleep, like if you are doing yoga one-on-one with someone Mm -hmm. that you have to ask about sleep and like you did give them some, um, whether it's some kind of restorative postures or journaling or gratitude or breathing exercises, Mm -hmm. something to do for sleep hygiene. I know when I stay up too late, like a few times in a row, it sets me more towards anxiety, I'd say, because unless I'm like, well, it depends what I'm doing. If I'm up late doing something, then yeah, I'm I'm just like keeping my brain on too much and the Mm. wheels like start to turn and that momentum gets going. Mm -hmm. If I'm up just like watching Netflix or something, like if Eric's out of town for a while and I just like (laughs) hit a good series. (laughs) So many. Then I'm probably fine, but it depends if I get excited about something and I'm like look on my computer researching something and my Mm. then it's like my, it's just like, I don't know, winding up this little train of thought. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so maybe that's just like all you need to do to support someone is get them back into a regular sleep cycle and some better sleep hygiene. Maybe. Depends. Yeah. yeah, Depending on the person. Yeah. All right. Cool. So let's wrap this up. Um, I wanted to touch on any like specific techniques that you found that they, um, more stressed upon because like now we've already talked about depression anxiety the differences um oh we didn't talk about ptsd did you want to do a little bit uh ptsd is interesting i'm gonna even flip over into my book just to i'm just gonna look at it briefly Mm -hmm. it's like your body you need a certain amount. I talked about arousal. So to complete a certain task, you need a certain amount of arousal. So like less arousal, you can think of it like energy, I guess, um, to complete a not hard task and then a moderately hard, difficult task. You need more arousal and then difficult, you need more arousal. So in PTSD, your arousal mechanism, I guess you would okay. call it, um, <laughs> it gets, it's very disordered. So you don't know like how much yes. energy you need to go into different tasks. And then at the same time, the, uh, we talked about the brain and the amygdala and the hypothalamus, and I'm not going to go into all of that stuff, but the way your brain works and we can, we all know this, like when you think about something, you can physiologically experience that. 
like if you think about something super stressful or super embarrassing, that's like the mm. easiest one. Like if I think about something where I was really embarrassed, like I just, my whole body like goes into it, right? <laughs> yeah. Like flushed cheeks, yeah. like sweating, like, ugh, yeah. I just like want to shower it off. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that memory, the PTSD memory, whatever it was, like when you think about it and I think your brain kind of has, it's not like you just think about it for fun. Like it replays that, um, situation in your, in your head a lot. And when you do that, you physiologically react. So your stress response is like completely out of whack and the way your brain is storing emotion and dealing with stress is really imbalanced. Mm -hmm. It's like not the most elegant way to no, no, no. Describe it, but it's kind of yeah, like the basics. Good. There's definitely a lot more to it and different yeah. differences on the scale, the spectrum of it as well. Yeah. Um, but it's important for, for anxiety and depression, I would say, just to know. And I notice this now more like whenever you are thinking about something, especially an experience, your body literally, it doesn't know the difference between a thought and an actual experience. Mm-hmm. so yeah, your brain can't be trusted man yeah so <laughs> yeah if you like if you're thinking about like oh that thing that you did the other day oh you're so stupid and you said this stupid thing on your podcast yeah. oh my god <laughs> 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 but like you're yeah. you're physiologically you don't know the difference so you, right. you put yourself back into the stress of that scenario so to like yeah. really if you're in more of like a sound mind and you do have the tools and you're for your in an imbalance and you have practiced awareness, like just bringing that awareness to that thought and then like sweeping it aside. I don't know, singing a song or putting some movement into your body. If you want to get tossed some thoughts out of your head, like do 15 seconds or more like a minute of jumping jacks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's really helpful. Like when I felt anxious a little bit more and I couldn't even like get myself on my yoga mat and finally got there. It was like, whew, like a different mm-hmm. just movement, right? Like just the movement. Yeah. yeah. It's sort of like, um, I, I don't remember again, one of those things where I don't remember the source, but I remember, <laughs> I remember the words and these ones are good ones. Um, just saying that like, um, your thoughts have a charge. They have like an energy. And whenever you feel something really strongly or you remember something really strongly, it can be helpful to release it physically because it's almost like you, you've taken that charge of the emotion and you like let it physically run through you and run its course. So now it can finally leave. Um, like how animals shake themselves after falling or um, they shake themselves after something that's been traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To like physically shake away those thoughts. My dog actually does it a lot because we have like a lot of fire alarm testing here um, or like false alarms and she'll be so frightened during and then once she realizes, okay, the alarm stopped and I'm safe, she'll give herself like a really good shake shake and then she's fine. She's like a new dog. Like all she needed was a good shake shake. Just shake it off. Mm-hmm. And we talked about um, like lions hunting gazelles or something like that. Like the same thing. Or, <laughs> and we then, did? Or in the, in the course. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, in the okay. Course. You guys did. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> what was that all about? Yeah, the same thing. It's like just shaking off that stressful experience and like not having it kind of wired into you. Whereas we as humans, a lot of the time, the way our brain works, like we just, we remember that shit and we relive it. Mm, It's not, it's a, it's a kind of a, I don't know, neurological kind of miswiring type thing. Yeah. 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 Um, so the techniques in class, because this is all stuff that's like so much easier to do one on one, you know, like mm-hmm. um, being able to recommend someone to do the movement they, they they like rather than the movement that they think they need to do or recommending people to go like see someone for their um, their uh, I- internal issues. Um, how about a group class? Did you guys ever touch on like, how do I... How do I incorporate this? Yeah, well, we had that experience in the group classes every morning. And the, the biggest thing is awareness. So you're really queuing to awareness like over and over. And you might thread in like if you were wanting people to be aware in a certain way, like to kind of shake things off or brush those thoughts away, or is it staying and being with the thoughts so that you can kind of process them? 
Because there's like a difference between kind of numbing and processing, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and then the, I'm trying to think like in the group class, it is a little bit harder. Yeah. Language is, I think language is the most key thing. You might, if you know you're teaching a group, I don't know, people who are more anxious, maybe like a group of moms. Okay. Yeah. From ang- anxiety and depression, like in a lot oh. of moms. Yeah. Well, that's difficult. You might be using a gentler language. Mm. Um, cueing, not directly. So I love direct cueing, like move your foot here instead of yeah. you might go move the foot here. Oh, so that's like, really? that is helpful for those cases. Um, I know in like PTSD yoga classes, it's, it's kind of like that indirect language. Oh, interesting. It's like almost disembodied. Like you're, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think you're just experiencing it, the foot or the, the hand. Yeah. Or is that, I'm trying to think like, so maybe you can like snowball ideas with me. Like that would be, uh-huh, yeah. uh, trying to think like imagining like a person who would, that would better be suited for. So maybe you're someone who's experienced like abuse or like someone's telling Mm. you what to do. You work a really stressful job and you're Mm. just being told what to do nonstop. You don't want order. You don't want, you don't want to be ordered because some people Mm. see like the move your foot here as an order. I find it as like really taking control of your body. Mm -hmm. Um, But I could, I can see how it can be experienced differently if you're in a different circumstance. Well, see, then I wonder if it's just like um, rather than that, just this idea of like, more visual demoing just being like let's let's meet here in warrior two you know in in this posture and then you take your time you come into it however you want to come into it um do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then after warrior two let's do a little bit of this and then once you're there just see how just seeing how this feels for you and if you want to come down to child's pose that's fine but yeah eventually we will meet you in child's pose or something like that uh, the invitational language yeah um yeah. And yeah, I, I can see why no direct cueing would be beneficial, but that's, oh, that's so difficult in a group class. Yeah. I don't think it's necessary yeah. in like your, your regular group class. Like you might have a specialized class of a group of students that yes, people sign up yeah. for, for yeah. I don't know, new moms or yeah people with stressful jobs or whatever you want to yeah. call it. Yeah. You call it anxiety and depression if you want to. Cause some, yeah, like for a lot of people, the directness of the cues can also be like a source of comfort, you know, just being like, I know I'm doing it right. Mm-hmm. This is cool, you know, like, so I guess it's to balance directness and, um, freedom. If yeah. that makes sense. Freedom of movement. Maybe it's just to like give certain times of class, like for the next five minutes, I just want you to move in and out of this posture. So just do whatever you'd like, but you know, once in a while hit this posture, like warrior two, and then do, do a few things from there. Um, whether you're dancing or swaying, you know, put on some relaxing music. Mm -hmm. Oh, the other thing I wanted to, to say, um, with the PTSD are, um, the trigger words or triggering language. Sometimes you can actually, um, like, get them to tell you what those are yeah i'm sure if you worked one-on-one with someone you'd definitely yeah. want to communicate with all of with all of these behavioral or mood disorders whatever you want to call it um imbalances especially on a one-on-one you want to communicate with them all the time and right yeah. and you're not looking to be like oh someone with depression needs to do heart openers yeah um, <laughs> i don't know like maybe that feels good maybe it doesn't you really have to ask them like you have to be yeah. really like how does this feel for you and it really is about the the mind at that point and and emotion and mood yeah. so you're moving physically into things that feel comfortable for them and they can access them like more peace of mind or more control over their thoughts what about this whole idea of vulnerability because as uh, like as yogis, we are asking them to place like heart openers are a very vulnerable, non-protected posture. Mm-hmm. So yeah. What about that? I think giving a lot of option. Okay. That would be pretty key. Um, yeah, you were giving some really good examples, like maybe do this, maybe do this, maybe do this. So if you want to do a, a heart opener, Maybe you have, um, maybe you're lying on your stomach, like Shalabhasana yeah, and yeah, just doing that's that. That's more protected. Yeah. Totally. Um, mm. just like the way your 
organs are facing the ground like as yeah. humans that just feels more safe right yeah so you could yeah. have option one we're going to come here you're going to lift your arms and legs maybe you reach back mm. for your feet and draw your shoulders back more option two mm-hmm. is like camel option three mm-hmm. is i don't know bridge pose yeah. right <laughs> Yeah, kind of. But you know, like talking this through, I totally see why like trauma informed yoga has to be its own, its own training and its own um class almost. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah, it's, like it's very different from a group class. It really, I is. can totally see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for it to be really effective, it it needs to be like that, right? Like your yoga teacher is in a way your physical yoga therapy moving coach and. Yeah, how can you do that with someone who is suffering from such a like a misalignment in their brain mm-hmm. in a group class? It's like I can't like just even thinking about it. I'm just like, oh fuck, that's hard. Jeez. Yeah, and like some people do just fine with like pretty intense um imbalances and things that they're facing. They they might just need to be in that room and have permission to move like whenever mm. and kind of like hang out in the back row. Um maybe it's like just like a safe place and and we didn't really go over it. We went over it briefly, but social engagement is so important for Mm -hmm. mood disorders. It's like, it's really like one of your main barriers, um, Uh, is your, your environment there. So that's huge. Just being in the class with people and doing the odd pose. Um, yeah. Oh, I just had another thought mm -hmm. of even like just your positioning as the yoga teacher and like voice of authority, like in some trauma, that authority is exactly what is traumatizing, you know, in like mm-hmm. abusive, like, yeah, like that kind of scenario. Um, yeah, that's just, that's a, it's difficult to navigate. Yeah, totally. So if you have someone in your yoga class and you, I know some people that teach like quite a, not a stern voice, but like mm-hmm. an authoritative voice, but it still is so, right. so comforting because they, are speaking like so surely and I don't know how to explain it. It's It's like you want them to be authoritative. You want a teacher to be authoritative in some ways, but also not authoritative in other ways. Yeah. Like like not to like, you you should never tell them how they should be feeling in the thing. Maybe suggest like you might feel it here or might feel it there, or you might feel this. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But if someone is getting upset about the way that you're, you're using your voice or cueing. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, like reflect, be mindful. Maybe you were being like a little too intense, <laughs> but also maybe that's not the class for them and that's totally okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. We do yeah. know as teachers, we have to kind of choose and then be like, Oh my God, you would love my friend Jane. Yeah. She's like, she is so comforting and soothing in the way she speaks. And mm. I think that's a class for, for you to go to. Yeah. 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 yeah I think that's one of the like, best things probably that yoga can do is just create that welcoming and um an an environment conducive to to being there and and starting that healing process it yeah i think i think most of us can do that right yeah yeah oh yeah god yeah (laughs) hope so (laughs) i think like also with anxiety it's interesting because i think i tend more towards that way or or like I've always just thought of it as overwhelm and maybe that's all it is, but whatever you want to call it. Um, just like having worked a lot of like long, hard days and then going to yoga when I've been given choice, mm. I've just been like, I, I don't want to think <laughs> like, do not make uh, me think. So it is, yeah, it yeah, is yeah. really different for someone with like PTSD or you want to give them a lot of choice and like other people, you want to move them through specific things in a specific way and they don't want to think at all. They sort of, you're yeah. really in the movement. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's like a different, the yoga has a change to serve the needs at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting. And I think as teachers, we can all kind of think about those different moods and behaviors. Yeah. And it makes sense. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Like state of mind has a huge, huge role in that. Putting myself in the position, like making up a little story about an imaginary person and then being like, well, what did, what would I want to experience? Mm. then that's the easiest way to kind of, I don't know, frame, frame a class or use the tools mm-hmm. that we have to support them. Yeah. 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 I love it. Uh, yeah. 
Okay, let's stop here because or else it's going to be like 17 hours. <laughs> I know. Now I, I feel like we're just thinking and talking, which is good, but it's, it's going to get really long. Um, we'll probably touch more into yeah. this because I didn't really go too specifically into any one thing. And then I can do a little more research and, and tease out some of the threads because yeah. it really is broken down into like the behavior, behavioral psychology and um, the genes and the, the science, the biology and all of that stuff. So we can definitely break some stuff out. I'd love to have like Valerie or Diane on. I'm sure they oh, would. I didn't yeah. ask them because they were like doing their thing and like so... Yeah not overwhelmed, but they were in it, you know, like they were yeah. committed and I was like, not going to add one more thing to their mental plate, yeah. <laughs> but there's, they're so lovely. I'm sure they would, um, they had yeah. time in their schedule. Yeah. Sure. We can email them and we'll, we'll see if we can schedule something, mm-hmm. but yeah. Okay. Um, thanks guys Yeah, <laughs> so much for listening all the way through, even through our little silly stories that are all relevant, but silly. Um, and yeah, do you want to do the things? I did the things last time. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So our things, um, we, we are affiliated with, um, Wanderlust and Rad Rollers. Now Wanderlust number one is a lovely yoga festival. Um, you can go to all across, uh, North America. Uh, we have a 10%. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. 10% discount code. You can check it out online. Um, it'll be in the show notes as well as our website. And then the other one is Rad Roller. So Rad Roller creates myofascial release tools. Um, they are a little bit on the pricier side. However, they are well worth the investment. Um, I have totally broken tennis balls by rolling my butt over tennis balls and tennis balls are filled with air. They break. <laughs> Whereas Rad Rollers have not yet broken on my butt. My butt has not broken their balls. Oh my god like that, that was the best ever it's about the wasn't best. it yeah. for like their advertising <laughs> takes the cake <laughs> um they're also a, a specific uh they're like they're balls that are like a specific compression type so they sink in very well they don't tend to like roll around like i guess unless you're covered in like baby oil which i don't know don't don't cover yourself mm-hmm, in baby no. oil and roll on balls don't do that um so they don't slip around like tennis balls tended to slip around on me um but yeah, really good tools. Uh, and you can purchase them through our affiliate link. Um, and then last of all, uh, just quickly before we sign off, we would really, really love, 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 love a positive review, um, on iTunes, on podcast, Apple podcasts, on whatever you use to, um, listen to this. If you've enjoyed the podcast, if you gained something from it, um, spread the word. This is how we sort of pay it forward, give other yoga teachers these wonderful tools and maybe even just like the inspiration, um, to learn more and to serve our populations a little bit better. Uh, we really super appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) And we'll hang out soon. Sounds good. Bye guys.